Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome back to the Don't Touch Your Eyes show here on Soho Radio. I say welcome back because it has been a week, a week off this daily radio show. I know, I hear you say. And in many ways, uh, I couldn't have picked a worse week to take off in terms of being able to be reactive and speak to the audience of the radio as things emerged because the world has changed even more. I mean, this radio show started in a global pandemic, but now we're basically in the throes of what feels like a revolution of some form. Uh, And yeah, I could not be on air to talk about things as things were happening. So that's kind of annoying but but I'm here now and uh, this show I'm going to be looking at and exploring various topics relating to race and music and specifically the kind of music that I'm personally very interested in and have always been and that is that of reggae, ska, calypso and obviously these genres are the the predecessors to rap music, to dance music, uh, to all kinds of musics, especially within the UK. It's the foundation from which music sits on. And so the tune you just heard there uh, was uh, called The Quadrille. And The Quadrille, uh, I've said this on a previous show when I was talking about Mento. The Quadrille is a European dance style from the 1800s. Um, and in Jamaica, plantation owners would make the slaves play the quadrille for them. Uh, and at the end of the night, when when the masters had, had gone away, um, the musicians would play their own, their own dance of the quadrille for themselves. And that was where the mento came from, which is a fundamental part of Jamaican folk music, which went on to become ska and also sat parallel with Calypso and then later Rocksteady and Reggae, which which gave birth to all kinds of things. But there's kind of a peculiar, insidious nature there where um, these these things come from a kind of cyclical paradox of oppression that sits deep within the music and, and never really left because that final act of the quadrille was what birthed the thing that birthed reggae, which became one of the biggest kind of musical movements for black rights, 
justice and liberation. But at the same time, you had uh, Calypso music that uh, was very much on the nose, uh, speaking about political issues as they emerge. And this tune by the Mighty Terror heading north kind of speaks upon some of those things uh, with a curious ending, but I'll let you uh, investigate. So in that tune we have a Calypso artist from the West Indies singing the praises of the United Kingdom and uh, how equality is so so rich here and there was actually quite a lot of that in calypso music of that era because of the windrush generation coming over and seeking to ingratiate themselves to to the the british country and and the queen gets mentioned in a lot of stuff there's a great song about the coronation but it's just so sad when you when you look at the harsh reality of that optimism being kind of thrown back in the in the face of those people, uh, and then just the term color bar as well, just an interesting interesting term that's it's kind of certainly fallen out of fashion. Uh, but yeah, there you go, things of different eras. I'm sorry this isn't a particularly uh, silly show, uh, and it won't be, I'm afraid. And there might be a bit more talking and a bit more a bit more announcing what the songs actually are, which, quite frankly, I'm almost sickened by. But I'm just trying to kind of, I don't know, come to some kind of cohesive point and just maybe create some context within a musical realm. And here's Gil Scott Heron with Whitey on the Moon. You have a poem here. It's called Whitey on the Moon. <laughs> and uh, it was inspired, it was inspired by some whiteys on the moon. <laughs> so I want to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> All right. That's it. So I hear you say, what a pleasant interval from the otherwise painfully sincere, politicised bullshit he's been chatting for much of the show. No. So a point I'm trying to kind of make is that that tune is on an Ikea advert and is uh, is nationally broadcast, kind of accepted by the establishment uh at large but if you go back 10 or 15 years music with a very similar sonic landscape and layout was literally banned just because basically it's it's young black men expressing themselves on on music that people haven't heard before that kind of immediate inherent suspicion so this is now pow by lethal b which was which was literally banned you couldn't you couldn't play it. Uh, but now people are making like BBC4 documentaries about how um, 
you know grime is the new punk and it and it all kind of sits very nicely into this narrative of british anti-establishment music but it it wasn't the darling of people is that it was the whole time where chavs were being vilified and and working class black kids making angry music was not something anyone really had any time for and like the banning of this tune is mental very much a banger as i'm sure you'll agree and you could you could make the point that that d double tune being on that advert shows how far we've come and perhaps in some in some regards it does but i think what i think the 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 comparison shows is that people are still unwilling to take young black angry sincere music uh at face value immediately it has to it has to kind of marinate over time and be something that that you can think of with hindsight and then and then it makes more sense to you i think there's a real like when you look at drill tunes being banned it's the exact same vibe the exact same energy and like yeah, who's to imply what threats of supposed violence are are real and tongue-in-cheek you know it's it's music and it's art and there's a real there's a real sus inherent suspicion of uh young black men making expressive music Linton, Quasi Johnson with Fight Them Back there. This is the Don't Touch Your Eyes show on Soho Radio. Back after a week off. A week where it seems like the world changed drastically. Um, which means this show is the most sincere I've ever done. And... Anyone who knows me knows I frankly despise sincerity, but I think my mild discomfort is uh, incredibly inconsequential in the current scenario. Um, on the hour, we're going to have an interview with Mr. Wayman Bennett from uh, Unite Against Fascism and Stand Up to Racism, just kind of talking about many of the things that have sort of been discussed already on this show um we'll see how that goes it's something i'd be more interested in doing in talking to political figures of various forms and kind of attempting to engage with issues somewhat so it's something i'm going to endeavor to do as we all need some kind of change of behavior it would seem <laughs> Duke Ellington there with Songs of the Cotton Fields. 
Um, this next tune I'm going to play uh, is an exclusive tune, actually. It is not out anywhere at the moment. Um, you can only hear it on the Don't Touch Your Eyes show uh, and on Dub On Air um, because it's a Dennis Bavel, Vivian Jones collaboration. Um, and it's called 1963 and it's about uh, Rastafarianism in Jamaica, which people now... Um, associate the country and Rastafarianism massively so um, but the fact of the matter is in during during the early earlier years of the century uh, Rastas were really not not liked in Jamaican culture uh, and there was a big flare-up uh, called the Coral Gardens incident uh, in which 150 uh, Rastas were taken into police custody and tortured and many died um and so just a bit of a bit of another perspective on on that kind of realm and and how those things went on because just because we now associate jamaica and bob marley and you can buy it on a t-shirt in camden with a che guevara grinder like the the, the symbolism and the kind of pan-african uh, repatriation movement that they were pushing towards was really not well liked in in Jamaica itself and that is uh, to do with a kind of colonial throwback uh, to to wanting to stamp that out and that's our legacy incarnate uh -huh. yeah. Okay, you're listening to the Don't Touch Your Eyes show here on Soho Radio, uh, and I have a very special guest on the line, Mr. Wayman Bennett from United Against Fascism. How are you doing, Wayman? I'm 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 doing very well. I'm United Against Fascism and stand up to racism today. Wonderful. Um, and uh, we've we've crossed paths briefly in in the past. Um. In my hometown of Portsmouth, um, the EDL used to frequent uh, the the place, and I recall seeing you there uh, helping lead those demonstrations there. And so that's kind of like where I'd like to maybe start with talking about the kind of history of overt fascism within the UK. And in my lifetime, I saw groups like the EDL and the BMP and UKIP and and that kind of wave of it. But I wonder if you could if you could shine a light on maybe previous eras, kind of the National Front, Combat 18 kind of wave of overt fascism, the mood in the country and how you think that compares to how people are feeling now. I think there's been a transformation over the last um, 40 years towards racism and fascism. When I grew up, um, there used to be signs of NF everywhere and um, black people were openly attacked all the time. There were 27 racist murders where I was growing up in East London, um, including the infamous Al-Tab Ali was murdered after leaving his work. And uh, also, you know, all of this, I mean, I still carry the scars of being physically attacked after going to um, school, people selling bulldog outside the school. And what was transformational was uh, Rock Against Racism, was the carnival that was placed in Victoria Park, was the rise of punk and reggae together, the punk and reggae rebellion. And as school kids, we took over the playground 
and the different rhythms that had come across the world all kind of fused into one. And that kind of syncretic pattern, that kind of resistance, I think gave the UK a unique soundtrack to its um, future. You can't talk about garage, you can't talk about grime, you can't talk about that without talking about a fusion of um, or Grindy. The whole thing came together. And I think what that meant was people marched on the streets, but they danced the same music and different rhythms sometimes. And that was transformational. We had the whole kind of um, the drum and bass movement. All these things transformed how we live today, the soundtrack to our, our lives. But we had to fight. And, um, you know, as I say, I joined with other activists stopping the National Front and the BNP from taking over Brick Lane and physically attacking us. And as school kids and all the way through to the present day, we had to fight for our lives. And I think the transformation now is that once ago you used to say this was happening, but I actually think the Black Matters demonstrations demonstrate that we're such a multiracial community that when you hit somebody in a family, they've probably got four other members that are both black and white that feel they have to participate in saying that we're not going to go back to those days where it said no blacks, no Irish, no dogs, and people treated as second-class citizens. And, and when you talk about those days, uh, you had things like the, the sus laws where where black people could just be picked up under under suspicion of of anything and just be put in the back of a meat wagon for for no reason at all and that and that seems to echo to our time at the moment with things like stop and search over here uh and the way things are like even music styles are just kind of being blanket banned because of a suspicion uh a kind of inherent feeling that there must be wrongdoing of of some form and it it seems to me like What's what's happening now is uh over here more so is a is a fight back at the kind of existential inherent deep seated racism that that our country is pretty much founded on, um and yeah I I wonder I wonder what you what you say about um the the kind of legacy. Uh, the the statues and uh, all of the monuments we have to to colonialism and and slavery that stand in our country and what message that sends out to the populace in general. I think when you see statues that stand there, like I, I think it's brilliant what happened in Bristol, uh, a statue that's been up there for 150 years that represents a slave owner who was actually a murderer, a child abuser, and a rapist and. I think it's quite important that that isn't something that's just put down there and says that's history. History is not neutral. Um, I don't believe if there was a statue of Hitler or of of Jack the Ripper that people would say it should stay up there. They would question it where it should be and whether it should be in a horror museum or something like that. And I think um, today the idea that that's just part of the people's history. Actually, there's two histories. There's a history of the anti-slavery movement and there's a history of the pro-slavery movement. And actually, large numbers of people participated that in that. There's a history of apartheid, and there's also a history of anti-apartheid. Anybody that's heard the song by the specials and by uh, of, um, Free Nelson Mandela knows that there's different soundtracks to different beats to how people perceive the world. And I, I think that music has been one of those things, and politics has fused in together to kind of represent what I could say the grassroots people's reality is. 
I think that um, the uh, the history of colonialism is one in which I think they've divided poor black and white people, while at the same time the people of the top society have enjoyed the fact that people uh, that people are divided, and they've always done that. The problem for them is that when we listen to the same music and have the same point of view and experience the same things, then we actually dance to the same rhythms. And that's in contrast to the Bullingdon Club. You can smash up a restaurant. You can actually sniff cocaine like Michael Gove. But if any of us did that or took MDA and said, I'm really sorry about it, we'd get a prison sentence. What we're saying is if you're black, you're seven times more likely to be stopped. I've been arrested 39 times. I have not been found guilty of a single crime. And the majority of the times I've been arrested is for opposing fascism and Nazis and people that want to celebrate Hitler and Mussolini. And I think they've always arrested the wrong person. What has come to my rescue is the fact there's a large black and white community here that understand what we're saying and demand justice and freedom. That's why the marches and demonstrations are so big, because years and years of struggling, finally some of the voices have been heard. Heard under terrible conditions but nevertheless um, um, heard. So I'm asking listeners to take a knee on Wednesday. Um, tomorrow is the funeral of Floyd, of George Floyd, and I think that's for the family, and we'll send a message of tribute. But on Wednesday, I want people to take a knee and say we remember that life, black lives matter, and it matters because a society is much more enriched when human beings can reach their full potential and their full age. And anything that cuts that down destroys all our lives. Um, but Black Lives at the moment is a representation of the attempt to stop, as Frederick Douglass, the great slave leader, said, they use racism to divide both, to conquer each. And we have to stop this process. We have to stop it now. That's what racism is about. It's about telling people to look into the gutter and not look at the people above us who run our society and actually enrich themselves at the same time as being the people that had the slaves, have the big houses, have the people that bought out during the crisis, and they try and get us to blame each other. If we don't live together, we will hang together. And I think that's the most important lesson that we have to learn. And, and when you mentioned the, the socio-economic uh, reasons of, of kind of divide and conquer, the, the rich put the, the poor working class, white and black, against each other um, whilst, whilst they're able to continue going on almost business as usual do you think perhaps one of the the main ways to begin to redress that balance uh, is with reparations and do you think that the momentum of this movement at the moment might be able to push for seeing something like reparations paid towards the black community I think um, they've just finished in 2015 paying back the slave owners for they recom they recompensed them for the fact that they had to give up what wasn't theirs. I think all that money should be ploughed back into doing something better for our society. I mean, helping people fight COVID, helping raise people's living standards. All that money should be taken back off those companies that were seeded with that. And that should be going into something that leads to a betterment of all people. And I think the reparations, the reparations could be done by reversing some of the bigger tax, paying off some, you know, writing off some of those debts that have been accrued in places in, you know, where African children have to starve or because of the price of that. Now, reparations 
of some of the bigger companies deserve to be paid back. And I think if that's done, that goes to some way to try and replenish the 12 million lives that were snuffed out in order to make profit for the cotton barons, for the people that didn't care. And I, we always have to remember, at the same time as murdering 12, or murdering millions of people, they put children down the mines, they put women inside the cotton mills. These people are responsible for this. And it's important that we make a distinction about that because I think we have to look for our allies of people who will fight on our side and those people that want to perpetuate the inequality. And I think people that fight by our side make a difference. And if you unite the movements, that, that's a, an important thing. I remember dance music was banned and they wouldn't play it on Radio 1, they wouldn't play it anywhere. And it was inside the LGBT clubs that actually they didn't have a colour bar. They didn't let, they let black people in to listen to the music that was there and people danced with it together. And we shouldn't forget that. If you don't have unity for everyone, actually what happens is you end up with greater divisions. So I think the Black Lives Matter movement is also going to raise the banner for liberation of people that raises the question about stopping people from divided. Black Lives Matter because we want to say that those people that support oppression and division are not the people that should set the trend for humanity. We need to give a knee and put our fist in the air because Black Lives Matter so that everybody can be liberated, so everybody can oppose racism. And also, I think across Europe, the dark shadow of the swastika is starting to raise its head. And I think we have to oppose all forms of discrimination wherever they come from. But we do have to make sure everybody's life matters. And that means black lives matter. And if we can do that, we can talk about a change in our society that will be profound. It cannot be just a demonstration. It cannot be just a series of words. It has to be an action that leads to profound change, both in people's hearts and minds. And for that, we have to challenge the people at the top of society. I think that Boris Johnson doesn't tell the truth when he says Britain isn't a racist society. Because why does he call black people pickaninnies with watermelon smiles? Why does he call Muslim women look like bank robbers if he isn't using the language of racism? Of course he doesn't see Britain as a racist society because he's used that language himself. So I think we have to hold those people to brook and say we want that to stop and we want to make sure we have a change in our society. And and that brings me to to one other point. I, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but but di- the disingenuous nature of some kind of large corporations that almost seem to be capitalising on this moment or or even performative uh, helping uh, as if to kind of fit in so as to not be caught out whilst you can you can see they're financially funding all kinds of organizations that are directly impacting minority communities in negative ways um what what ways can you think of to kind of draw attention to that because i think that's as a, a a complicated issue of our time is is working out where the sincerity is and 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 where it isn't i i think that there's an attempt every time there's a movement to um absorb it absorb its anger and actually lead nowhere um and give a few people um some jobs in the highest places i i, I hope i'm not speaking out of turn but one of the heads of uk music last year told me not to have a campaign called A Beautiful Resistance Against Racism because he said it was incompatible 
with my views about calling for equality for everybody and that I was critical of some big business practices that had led to racism. Therefore, I should be silenced for speaking about that. And to me, that tells you what's wrong with society, that in a lot of a contribution of black and white music, but black music, honestly, sometimes you feel it's been crushed. And that's the very top of UK black UK music turned around and said, we don't want a campaign like that. And that was linked to the, some of the big companies may get upset if you talk about um, child labour or you talk about um, discrimination that they're involved in. And I, I think we should remember that all those artists that played Rock Against Racism, The Clash, the brave people that spoke out against apartheid, the people that spoke out against Clause 28, discrimination against LGBT in terms of the music people, they're all pioneers. They're all prepared to do that. The jazz artists. And I don't think we should, we should never let them silence our music and we should never let them silence our words of what we say. Because at the end of the day, if we don't do that, we lose a part of our humanity. So I think the big corporations want to steal our soul, want us to accept our environment being destroyed by actually their pollution. I think it's fake when Shell and BP said they're worried about um, global warming when they're causing global warming. And sometimes you can't square the circle. And that's the reason why you have to speak truth to power. And if they say that, I've found myself on the outside of many doors after saying these kind of things. But at the end of the day, you're better off to tell the truth than to tell lies. Um, and so it's not just about having black faces in high places. It's about making sure that there is justice. Because without justice, there can be no peace. And that's our slogan. No justice, no peace. And although many have fallen, we have to remember the dead, but fight for the living. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. And perhaps, do you have a, a song request, even this being a music show, and your, your comments about the importance of music as a unifier, a song we can play out on? I know this isn't an old song, but it's a song called Lean On Me. And uh, the reason why we put that out at, the, at this time was we had many artists contribute to that uh, and uh, and I know probably your listeners listen to different things but we want to say that I just want to really celebrate uh, um, that or if not a change is going to come um, because I think that represented the previous era and now we need to fight for real change today. Consider it done. Wayman Bennett, thank you very much for giving up some time today. Most appreciated. Thank you. Takes them to tear the fascist down, down, down. If it takes them to tear the fascists down Some OG Woody Guffrey there And with many of the tunes Like some some are quite contemporary But many, many old Proving that, that what's being said And what's being asked for Is not new unfortunately It's been asked for time and time again over and over and over again, the thing that I suppose is new is the momentum and the immediacy and the kind of global hive mind that seems to have simultaneously awakened. And that is new and that's mental and that's fucking banging. We so love to copy good and bad that defied the craze these days is ghetto. 
quite. Fuck the USA, I say. And big up Soho Radio for having a radio station that allows such profanity uh, before 10 o'clock. Well, it's after 9 o'clock. Is that the watershed? I don't even know because I only listen to cool, independent radio stations where you can say whatever the F you like, all right, assholes? Shit. Okay. Uh, That song proclaimed Fuck the USA, but we should bring our fucking back home and fuck the UK and fuck police brutality and fuck people dying in police custody. Uh, There's... A great deal of people that have died in police custody unjustly and a prominent member of the reggae fraternity Smiley Culture uh, his house was raided by the police uh, and he apparently stabbed himself repeatedly in the heart with a carving knife. So so he, he went over and over again stabbing himself in the heart and that is the official report uh, and the independent police complaints commission conducted that it was not worthy of further investigation after that and that kind of uh, that kind of crazy shit is on our doorstep and is very prevalent very prevalent and we can't just we can't just think it's a, an american issue and uh, especially so sad and ironic and painful because this is one of Smiley Culture's biggest tune. A light, a light-hearted kind of jab at the police. It was, it was, if anything, but potentially, I don't know, jovially improving relations. You might even argue, but um, unfortunately, it's. I think it's very clear to anyone that has a mind that. He died at the hands of the British police. Every time I drive me car, police are stop me so fast. I'm true, me drive a Fiat and I'm Excel with me Lancia. So more time I'm... Okay, last tune from myself. Uh, Demasus by Harlem Spirit. A tune that is about the sus laws. Uh, the sus suspicion uh, where... Yeah, and this tune is specifically about... Uh, Mossad in Manchester and the use of those sus laws in Manchester. Last one from myself, Elijah Minnelli. This is the Don't Touch Your Eyes show. Great thanks to Wayman Bennett for joining me earlier and giving his perspective. And uh, yeah, come back tomorrow, 8 p.m. Now this one is dedicated to the people of the ghettos. Especially the people of Mossad. Right, right, right.